Let's bow our heads and pray. Speak, O Lord. Amen. Now, um, I need you to do some self-identification for me. I'm not going to ask you to do anything more embarrassing than the first thing I ask you to do. So first of all, I want you to self-identify as a noisy table. I'm looking for a noisy table. Oh, them. Okay, well, that... The noisiest person may have left, but we'll, you, you, that's fine. Okay, That'll, that, that does me nicely. Okay, now I need, um, I need a quiet table. Who's... Any, what you talking about? Who's going to be a quiet table? Okay, over there. Okay, right, now. What I want you to imagine is that there's a line going down here. Okay? It's a border. Over here is the north, uh, where the noisy people are. Uh, over here is the south, where the quiet people are. And I'll begin here. You're Judah. Uh, Solomon has died... And uh, the succession has passed to his sons and sons and sons. And you are, um, well, you're, 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 you're fairly <coughs> wicked people, um, but you, all, you are also dull. Um, you're, you're not very interesting to those who record history at this point. You, you're, it's very stable and, and th- you know, it's kind of, it, 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 it's, it's dull. Okay. Now, north. Uh, you're, you are Judah in the south. You are Israel up in the north. And you are really, really interesting. You're mad as a box of frogs. <laughs> Your generals keep installing themselves on the thrones of Israel. There was one king who lasted all of two weeks. Um, and your succession is going uh, mad. You're, for, you're winning victories, uh, but mostly against each other. You're constantly in strife, uh, and uh, the, just before our story starts, you've had um, a wonderful, uh, politically, a fantastic king called Omri. Now, um, most of you will know the story of the Good Samaritan. You probably also know the story of Jesus in John chapter 4 about the woman at the well, from which you will have heard about Samaritans. They lived in the north And Jews in the time of Jesus generally hated Samaritans. That's because of what happened particularly in their exile, long after our story today starts and before the time of Jesus, in the middle. Uh, But a lot of the problems in the Middle East today would be solved if uh, what is uh, uh, the Palestinian, some of the Palestinian territory where Samaria is and Jewish territory where Israel is had got on better. And the the, um, issue of Samaria and Israel goes back to Omri, who purchased from a man called Shemer a hill, and he set up his capital there. And because he bought it from Shemer, he called it Shemeria. There's where Samaria comes from. And the throne passes unusually for the north. There isn't a fight this time. And it passes from Omri to his son Ahab. Ahab is in the line of the kings that come from uh, Jeroboam. Jeroboam was in the first generation after Solomon. Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he was the first general uh, to rebel against the king's authority and to set himself up in the north uh, as the king. And what he did was he decided, well, I don't want my people to go down to Jerusalem, which was in the safe, dull south. 
Um, so I will set up two idol shrines. I will set up one at Dan, which is in the far, far north of the north, and I will set one up at Bethel, which is just by the border, in the southern border of the north. And his people, when they went to worship, would go either to, the, uh, to Dan or to Bethel, and God was really angry. With Jeroboam, who he'd, he'd taken the throne away from Solomon, because Solomon had allowed the worship of foreign gods, and he'd split apart the throne, and it turned out that Jeroboam was worse than any of the others that had gone before him. And now Ahab is here. And Ahab, we're told, uh, makes Jeroboam himself look trivial in what he gets up to. And we get a kind of little tour of the area of all the uh, territories and the gods of the territories that are around. There's uh, uh, the Ashtoreths and Baals and Asherahs from the north of the north. It's not surprising that uh, Jeroboam's territory, being in the north, would kind of suck in some of that worship. But then there were others. There were, there were gods of the Moabites and the Ammonites, uh, Chemosh and Molech. And they are really evil. Those are the gods, the idols, that get described in Scripture as being foul or vile. And the reason is quite simple. Those gods demanded the sacrifice of those little people that some of you have just taken out. In that story we heard, we heard of the, that Heel set up the gates of Jericho at the cost of his firstborn and second sons. And that goes back to a story from hundreds of years before, about 500 years ago, by the time we get to this story now, to the story when Joshua went into the land and the city of Jericho just fell before them with a shout. And we listen sometimes to the story of Jericho and we remember them walking around the walls and we hear about the shout and the rest of it. And what we don't remember, because you have to kind of go a long way back even from Joshua, is that when Abraham was promised the land... They, he knew, he was told, that uh, Jericho and the Canaanites were going to be a thoroughly bad lot. And the idolatries in which they uh, were involved are reflected still in these gods that are wandering around in the time of our story today. So when Joshua took Jericho and he simply flattened it, he, he left this memorial, this curse on Jericho, because it had been responsible for the deaths of so many, he said, I curse this land, and anyone who puts up Jericho again, they will do so at the cost of their own children. And so, by the time of this story, it has proved. There are all kinds of idolatries that we could pick up today and illustrate for our own times from this story. But because of these gods, it is appropriate to look at the ways in which in our own day we sacrifice our children. Here we are in the week after the Rolf Harris conviction and Operation Utree. And we know that children are sacrificed. Our cipher youngsters are going off to Uganda, the home of the Lord's Resistance Army, where children are pressed into being soldiers. 
In London, from time to time, there are stories that emerge of how Nigerian communities still literally sacrifice children because the background they come from tells them that that will assist them in the prosperity in their new country. And we may say to ourselves, well, we're not Rolf Harris, we don't do that stuff. We're not in the Lord's Resistance Army and we're not interested in children's body parts. But every generation looks to sacrifice its children. We've allowed the sexualization of children. There's many children that never saw the light of day, though mercifully the abortion figures are going down. This is the year in which we remember 1914. A million British people died, mostly young, in that war. Two million Russians died in that war. Ten million overall died. And we think we don't sacrifice our children. Even trivially, how many of you work at the N&N? Sorry, I missed that. So, how many of you work at the N&N, the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital? Just the one today. That's interesting. Normally it's more than that. Uh, that hospital was put up under the PFI, the uh, finance initiative, which means that we will pass the debt for that hospital onto our children. Our country's debt is almost by definition what we ask our children to pay. The difference between them in the days of Ahab and ourselves is that when they wanted to do idolatry, they did it properly. They went over to the other gods that had names. But in our own day, we may allow ours to be held alongside a true faith. We don't face the obviousness of idolatry. And yet, we can still sacrifice our children and those important to us and be caught up in indulging ourselves rather than serving others. And I want to go to what Elijah says into all of this. And blissfully for the preacher, Elijah really does have three things to say. First, he said, he, first of all, he says, As the Lord, Yahweh, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. Elijah's God was a living God. Now, we're just doing who cares, as many of you know, this mission effort that we're taking part in, going out onto the streets and asking people what hurts the most. But we've also done it in the church. And some of the responses that I've read, of course, I don't know who they come from, from within the church, are troubling. And I read one response last week that tells me of one person here, don't know if here today, but one person for whom the living God of Israel is living no longer, for whom it's all a matter of performance and going through the motions and hoping that God will live again. Can I remind you that it is a happy day? Because Jesus has washed your sins away. We worship the living Jesus. And if Jesus lives, ascended on high, resurrected and reigning, then we too worship a living God. And I just remind us, for those of us whose God may be quietly dying... Elijah goes on, 
as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve. Which makes me ask, do you? Do you actually serve? Thank God, for, thank God for so many in our church who live lives of active service. Some of it we see reflected among us this morning. And I do thank God for all those who serve. And you will know in your own heart whether, again, you're going through the motions or whether you are actually serving. Are you making a sacrifice of your life? Come back next week. Will is talking next week about serving. And I know some of the things he's going to touch on, and they're very powerful. I was very struck some years ago when I heard of an Arab sheikh uh, from the oil-rich states, and he was, of course, immensely wealthy himself, and he'd been thanked for making a huge contribution to some charity. And uh, he was courteous, but he said, "Don't, don't thank me too much. Did I eat one lamb chop less? because I gave millions to that charity. Thank God for those who serve. Thank God for Elijah. But it raises the question, are we engaged in service and of a living God? Will can come back to that next week. And then something that I realised reading this story, and I have read this story so many times, and so have many of you, and I never noticed it. What does Elijah say? There will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Well, we know that story. We know that there was no dew or rain. But what I've never realized is that's why they were sacrificing their children. This is dry territory. And they were making offerings to their gods for fertility. That's what those gods were all about. Let the blood of your children be spilled upon the ground, and I will bring the rain. And Elijah says, no, there will be no rain. You can do all you like by way of idolatry, but God will have his way, and he will take revenge on your practices. He will hit you exactly where you hurt. You think you can achieve fertility. I'm going to take it away from you. He goes absolutely to the heart of their idolatry in his rebuke to the nation. And it leaves me just thinking, what are we supposed to do if we're to be like Elijah? It's not going to be about dew and rain, it's England. But it might be this. Where are the idolatries that surround you? Possibly because I knew this was coming. I was thinking about some of them when Diana was leading our prayers. Where are the idolatries that surround you? And are you speaking, as Elijah did, into those idolatries with the right response for those idolatries? So yes, let's pray for Canon Andrew White in Baghdad, upholding the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a territory which only knows the name of of God in one way. Let's pray for all of us who in our workplaces, schools, as Diana led us, or in other ways. All of us will will find that we don't have to look far to find the idolatries. It won't be like the days of the Baal where it was just one culture and you could address it uh, simply. 
It'll be a multiplicity, but you are in the middle of idolatries. So go and be an Elijah and speak to those idolatries. Proclaim the truth in the midst of those idolatries. And let the living God of Israel reign. Can we pray? Lord God, you know our circumstances. You know what surrounds us day by day. We've prayed for the feet that will take us to our world tomorrow. There are so many around us who are lost. And may not even know it. who make their sacrifices in different ways to false gods. Speak truth through us, we pray. Amen.